Hey everyone, welcome back. Sorry for not being here last week. Unfortunately, we had some Wi-Fi problems and some cold problems, which I think is affecting just about everyone this time of year. So hopefully everyone is staying happy and healthy in the new year. We're going to kick things off with an email question from Taylor in LA. Happy 2024, Dark Trio. Happy 2024, Taylor. Happy 2024. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing more episodes this year. I didn't read R.L. Stein's Fear Street books growing up, but I'm pumped that Netflix is making another Fear Street movie. I'm curious to know, which Fear Street book movie would you like to see on the screen? I am going to default to both of you as I have read (laughs) none of them. Um, Because reading and... I, I, should be so, I, I should want to read, right? You like should. I spent you so much time in college to. reading. I should want to. There you go. I should really use all those Audible credits that are just stacking up too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I know. I want to get Joe. Oh, have either of you listened to, I know I'm derailing things, but it's the new year. Have either of you listened to Joe Bob's Briggs uh, audio book, like his 86 book, like at the drive-in, I think before he even had. Whoa. Like okay, a TNT a series, ton no. of books. Um, so I don't, I haven't listened to any of them. I do have a couple of them though. Like I own the physical. I think books. I'm gonna check that out. I want to get into more horror biography type things. Nonfiction like, horror. Yeah, like I'm, oh, I've man, never I been a nonfiction pile on a guy. Book list for you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm fascinated by the industry, and like I'd love to hear more stuff like behind the scenes, especially like '80s stuff and and things like that. So yeah, I could give you a reading list. I will lean on you for it. But back to the question at hand that I can't actually say anything about. Uh, how about you, Megan? What's your favorite Fear um, Street book you want to see as a movie? I I feel like it's worth mentioning that this question is timely because R.L. Stein confirmed that the, the next Fear Street movie will be based on The Prom Queen, mm-hmm. which I haven't read. Um, I was always a Christopher Pike girl as a kid, so my Fear Street is pretty limited to like maybe a handful. So I went with one that I do remember and just because I love... Uh, snowy set horror. I, oh, ski weekend. I want ski weekend. Ooh. Give me like a kind of a slasher um, on a ski weekend. I mean, it seems pretty conventional. Um, so yeah, do that. I can attest why everyone who lives in Minnesota right about now, we, we might kill someone. Yeah. It's it's negative. It's cold. You know, cool. Cut them open like a tauntaun. Keep them <laughs> Sorry. It got weird, I don't think there it? are any tauntauns in Fear Street. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> wow, you're really talking yourself out of a sale on that. How about you, Zena? Tauntaun or bust for John? Um, well, similar to Megan, I didn't read a lot, but my sister, I have an older sister who's like really into it. So I would just steal her books. And usually, you know, kind of similar to like video store um, around yeah. that time, I would go based on the cover. So there's this one called The Face. And it's basically ah. about this girl who loses her memory and people's like, don't worry about it. You know, your memory will come back. But then she keeps on drawing this boy's face. Turns out the boy is dead. And now she has to try to find out what happened to him. So it's kind of like a murder mystery. And then there's another one that's called Sleepwalker that has a really cool cover. Um, Basically, this girl takes a summer job helping out this older woman. The woman may be a witch. And you guys know I love witchy women. So Mm -hmm. that's really cool. But yeah, you know, it's just, you know, some freaky stuff going on. Love it. It's all new to me, so I'm sure they're all delightful choices. <laughs> Do they have tauntauns? The question on have, John's mind. <laughs> Do they have? Ta- I mean, that's just going to be my question of the day from now on. Do Do they have tauntauns? Does it Does it have tauntaun? No dice. <laughs> ah, forget it. Uh, okay. 
Ten question, also by email from Janie. Hey, y'all. We have a lot of horror movies coming out this year, and I want to make sure I have them on my radar. Can you please recommend the top three horror movies coming out this year that you're excited to see? Appreciate it. Bye-bye. 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 Ah, Janie. Oh, Janie. Uh, Let's kick things off. Zena, what are your top three to start with? Sure. Then I have a bonus because um, so first one is Late Night with the Devil. You know, supposedly this one is a found footage. And I think that that'll be up your alley, John. Um, Basically, it happens around uh, Halloween 1977, like a live uh, television broadcast. It showcases something goes horribly, horribly wrong. And um, it involves unleashing evil. And then there's a satanic church mass suicide. And there's one survivor who's on the show. So, yeah, let's get creepy. It's good. It's very good. You've seen it. Tell me everything. I saw it at uh, South by Southwest last year. Same directors who did Scare Campaign, which I think is really fun. Um, but yeah, David Dustmelchian, really good channeling that kind of like Johnny Carson era. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really found footagey, more like it's got that 70s late night talk show production vibe where it's Ooh, like the camera it. is following yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's very fun. Ooh, so it's a good pick. Okay. All right, I'm going to question you afterwards. Um, okay. <laughs> then the other one, The Watcher, M. Night Shyamalan's daughter, Shana Shyamalan. Um, this one will be coming out June 17th. And uh, basically, it just involves like a creature stalking um, people in the Irish forest. And that sounds nice. that sounds awesome, actually. And then, of yeah. course, Smile 2, because I love the first one. I know nothing about it, like plot-wise, but who cares? I'm going to watch it on <laughs> opening day. And then the bonus is Cuckoo, because I don't know when that comes out, like, officially. It's supposed to, it's officially coming, it was supposed to come out last year, and then Neon um, tweeted at some point at the start of the new year that it is coming for 2024, and it is playing at South by Southwest this year, which means that, like, Ooh. all signs are pointing to 2024 release, so I watch all, the, it today. all the signs are saying it will come out this year. I want to watch it today, right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't make that happen for you. I can't. It's Okay. But yeah, those uh, those are my three plus a bonus. Nice. Nice. I'll be Megan. Um. Okay. So I will talk more about this later. But a certain trailer came out for Abigail last week, and I am so freaking excited for Abigail. Um. And then speaking of Neon and Cuckoo, they have another movie coming out this year called Long Legs Ooh. with Maka Monroe and Nicolas Cage. And if you mm. have seen some mysterious, creepy teasers from Neon. I would be willing to bet money that it is long legs because there's some shots in that uh, teaser of somebody with extremely long legs. I have no clue. Besides, it's like serial killer in nature. These teasers are super ultra creepy. And it's also by Osgood Perkins, who did uh, Gretel and Hansel. And I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house in February or Black Coat's daughter, I think, is what it eventually Mm -hmm. released as. Yeah. So I really like him. I'm very freaking stoked for long legs. Um, And then... Another obvious one that I'll have to wait all the way for Christmas is uh, Robert Eggers' Nosferatu. Mm. It looks really good so far. And yeah. it's got a crazy cast, so I'm excited. Nice. I was anticipating you were going to say Maxine. I know, but I... The one. You said three. Three. I would love to say <laughs> all of them. No, just say all of them. Yeah, Maxine definitely, as I was waxing poetic about pearl last episode i suppose that came out um definitely interested in seeing that um 
God, it's kind of a coin flip. It is tough with three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say then uh, Return to Silent Hill. I I think the first Silent Hill movie doesn't get enough credit for video game adaptation, especially for the practical Did creature effects that exist in it. Like you can't oh, watch that first bathroom scene with the barbed wire and like the contortionist and not say this is amazing. <laughs> you know, like, yes, some of the practical, like towards the end, it, it, the wheels fell off a little bit. But as far as the actual adaptation for Silent Hill, like I, I thought it was great. I, I still love watching like the first three quarters of the movie. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people do. I don't know yeah. if it's like a reappraisal situation or what, but I feel like a lot of people talk about it fondly now. It's it a be. very comfy movie. Yeah. comfy yeah. very kind comfy of. in a weird way yeah pyramid head yeah. you cozy son of a yeah. <laughs> and, and then and this was kind of the the coin flip it would um i'm gonna say alien romulus assuming that yeah i don't know what it's this year. gonna be called i guess that's the working title yeah uh so the the newest in the alien franchise you know it's the same thing where i know that alien covenant and alien wait a second what were the two newest ones covenant prometheus and... and covenant what was the first one prometheus prometheus thank you yeah and covenant and honestly it's the same thing where i actually enjoy the movies like yes there's people running away in a straight line and mm-hmm. there's some suspension of disbelief and and strange character choices sure but i still really enjoy i still think they're kind of fun movies to watch like mm-hmm. someone when you don't think too much about some of it um and i and i have to just i have to throw in a an extra the crow i really want to see yeah i really want to see what happens the scars guards as far as i i'm concerned kind of do no wrong (laughs) and i love seeing them take over horror more or less as just a new horror family um so yeah god there's a lot of good stuff coming out this year too yeah I yeah. kind of forgot about the stuff you guys had mentioned. <laughs> I totally forgot about Nosferatu. That one's, I can't wait. I love, I still love the original and I love Shadow oh, yeah. of Vampire. So it's going to be great. And the Werner Hartzog, like seven, I think it was 79. Yeah. Especially oh. when there's a Nosferatu, Shadow of the Vampire with Willem yeah. Dafoe. A lot of good uh, Nosferatu stuff. And speaking of great things, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. You know her as a lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, a horror movie fanatic and journalist, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, and the head of Bloody Disgusting's TikTok, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. Hello. And I'm John. If you're listening <laughs> to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? Uh, so I checked out The Passenger on Prime Video. Um, just came out 2023. So Randy is perfectly content to fade into the background. But one of his, but when one of his co-workers goes on a sudden and violent rampage, he must face his fears and confront his troubled past to survive. This movie is incredible. Like, I really loved it so much. I went in blind. I only knew the synopsis. I didn't watch the trailer or anything like that. But yeah, I love the fact that it focuses on these two characters. They both have like these like trouble past, which, you know, we find out obviously. Um, but they're very different in how it shaped them as adults and everything. The performances all around is just so powerful. Like, wow, just, <laughs> just, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, 
Have any of you seen it? I have. It's very no. good. Very well acted. Yeah. Kyle Gallner yeah. and Johnny Birchtold. Mm-hmm. They are great. Like Kyle and Johnny, they have like a chemistry. Um, and also it's just with uh, Johnny's character, um, Randy, you just feel bad for him. You just want to give him a hug. And then with yeah, Kyle's character, <laughs> right. And then with Kyle's character, um, Benson, he wears like this oversized fuzzy cardigan. Um, yes. The sweater is amazing. Isn't it? We need it. We need that. <laughs> we cardigan. do. We do. But yeah, I highly recommend this one. Um, it's brutal. It's bloody. It's probably now one of my favorite Blumhouse movies. So I had a really Ooh, good from, time with that. From the director of The Ruins. Yeah. Then I finally checked out um, The Dark Fairy Tale Horror Tale of Tales on Tubi from 2015. It's been on my watch list forever. So, you know, I was able to watch it last week. Um, but yeah, so this one is kind of like um, Game of Thrones meets Princess Bride. But if it was thrown in a box full of fairy tales and horror. Yeah, so, very grim, is, bloody origins. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love the fact that this one isn't afraid to get weird. Um, you can expect like sea monsters, kings, queens, a giant flea. Like there's just a lot of stuff that's going on. And then the cast is really awesome. Uh, Simon Hayek is in it, Vincent Cassell, Toby Jones, John C. Riley. like great, great cast. Wow. So I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's a queen who gets pregnant on the same night and gives birth after she eats a monster's heart which is like mm, well pretty standard, you know unex- really. <laughs> unexpected and then there's more um oh one more thing i just this is not really a spoiler thing it's just like what is happening um there's an old lady who glues her wrinkles down you know who she glues oh. like her boobs and stuff so she can uh sleep with this sleazy king because he's like i want to see you and she's like no it has to be in the dark and yeah it was in the dark for so yes. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on but yeah if you enjoy like slow burn dark fairy tale anthology horror that's kind of like surreal type of thing going on i think that you should add this one to the list again it is a slow burn and it is over a little bit over two hours but i feel like it was an enjoyable watch for me so that's what i checked out awesome. as a person who's got a decent running knowledge of the original Grimm's fairy tales I think an old woman gluing her wrinkles down is actually on brand. Yeah. Like that totally (laughs) sounds like something that they would have come up with. It's crazy. It was just, it it just kept on getting more insane, you know, but I, it was a good time. Nice. How are you, Megan? Uh, I um, didn't plan for it, but I kind of had a zombie double feature. Pretty good zombie double feature, if I say so myself. Um, Severin released uh, a few of Michelle Sovey's movies on these really nice, like, 4K uh, releases. And so I got Delamorte Delamore released here as Cemetery Man. Um, so that one stars uh, Rupert Everett as a cemetery man. He's in charge of the cemetery. Very gorgeous. Very gorgeous yes. cemetery, by the way. Uh, he's he's basically him and his idiot savant um assistant nagi are tasked with killing the dead a second time because they just come back to to life and so they just kind of are the keepers of the dead essentially Hmm. um but then love enters the equation because it's delamorte delamore so death and love and um complicates matters for both men it's just a really really quirky kind of dry humor zombie comedy that's very interesting. I definitely watched this when I was a kid and it was not for me because I, I just not that type of movie, but I love this now. Um, I love 
the 4K release. It's gorgeous. Highly recommend. I feel like Michelle Sovey is a bit underrated. He did Stage Fright. He was the uh, silver masked mm-hmm. man in Demons, uh, Xena and I's favorite for the 1985 zombie. So he went from, you know, like heralding in people to their doom to directing <laughs> more people to their doom. There's There's a lot of fun gore. There's definitely a lot of fun humor. Um, one of the weirdest endings, but it's also based on a comic that I've never read. It's based on a graphic novel, same author who did like Dylan Dog, the comic bu- comic books. Mm. So there you go. And then uh, over on Paramount Plus, I watched uh, Planet Terror. I realized, yay. I mean, I saw <laughs> the Grindhouse. Yeah, the, yay. yay! I saw Grindhouse in theaters, and mm. I remember coming out of that uh, in 2007, being like, I really like Planet Terror more. Like, I liked them both. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing is fun, but I like Planet Terror more. And mm-hmm. then, oddly, I found myself seeing Death Proof way more times in the year since, and mm. I rarely revisit Planet Terror, and I don't know why that is. So I fixed that. Um, if you don't know, that one is a very grindhouse style um, zombie movie in which a bioweapon is released uh, into the area and turns people into zombies. And then you have literally like a ragtag group of survivors trying to kind of survive. They're not really trying to stop it. They're just trying to survive. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really good one. I feel like uh, Planet Terror leans more into that grindhouse aesthetic than Death Proof by far with the cuts and the grain and, and the intentionally hokey acting it's a blast and i'm sorry i don't revisit you more planet terror maybe i'll fix that i don't know oh. yeah i i totally agree i was the same way I, I i still like planet terror more but i totally get the death proof thing yeah I think a lot of it has to do with kurt russell is about as magnetic as he's ever been in any movie like he is so watchable across the movie but also especially in the second half or this i suppose it'd be the second act uh-huh. of the movie the the chemistry with all those actors it's, is so good. Just around the table it talking. It's a hangout and, movie. Absolutely. Yep. So Whereas yeah, you just want to hang out with that, which yeah. is a movie. It's like Planet Terror is a yep. movie, and so is Death Proof, but it's like a hangout vibe. You just can throw that on anytime and just hang out with these ladies as they, you know, smack Kurt Russell around. <laughs> and Planet Terror has Michael Bean and Jeff Fahey, and there's nothing wrong with that. So. So good, like I that know. barbecue sauce bit gets it, me. Jeff Fahey just wants to perfect his barbecue yeah. sauce. I get hungry every time I watch that movie, and maybe I shouldn't, but I definitely you do. shouldn't because there's literally one part where he's like, "I think I nailed it. I think I got this sauce finally." He's yeah. like trying, and it's because it's got in blood it. in it. Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> so, needed a little salt. That's all. It was. That's all. You just need a little uh, mineral flavor. Yeah, a little iron. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I started things by not really watching a horror movie and I'm going to explain. And it was uh 1992's memoirs of an invisible man on Tubi. And I'll explain why in a second. After a freak accident, a company executive turns completely invisible, goes on the run and becomes hunted by a treacherous CIA official whilst trying to cope with his new reality. So we were talking about universal monsters and kind of, was it Zena? Were you the? It was you. You watched Wolf uh, a yes, couple of weeks yeah. ago, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that and kind of the resurgence. And Megan mentioned the resurgence with like Bram Stoker's Dracula and Wolf, and we totally and Mary Riley and uh, Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. Oh yeah, and we totally forgot the memoirs of an Invisible Man also came out at like that exact same time, and is uh, is a Universal monster. It's yeah. just kind of got forgotten, and I. I remember this movie 
being real popular in my house. Like, and I assumed that it actually did well. I did not do it. Did no, it did very poorly. <laughs> it, it it made maybe like a third of its budget back. It really didn't get good reviews. I had no idea at the time, and honestly, I didn't know until I rewatched it that John Carpenter wrote and directed it. Yep. I had no idea. Granted, I, I wasn't a, a horror fan when I first was watching it, so it, it wouldn't have clicked. But I was like, holy crap, this is John Carpenter too? Which bums me out again. Like, I feel like John <laughs> Carpenter has such rough box office track record yeah, that he does. people rediscover later. I mean, Memoirs of Invisible, it's not great. It's definitely a problematic movie if you watch it again. <laughs> uh, Chevy Chase, especially... As people know, Chevy Chase, more stories come out about him. It's like, oh, he's just kind of playing himself in this movie. Oh, geez. That said, Sam Neill, I love Sam Neill. I'll watch him in anything. And watching him be basically evil in it. Oh, he's so good at being bad guy. And good guy. He's great. I mean, I've rewatched Mouth of Madness at least three times in the last month. Just because I kind of forgot how good that is. And. Yeah, and I just wanted to watch it because it's a Universal Monster movie and a shout-out, and it's John Carpenter. And whether you like Chevy Chase or not, support John Carpenter and Daryl Hannah and <laughs> Sam Neill. <laughs> yeah. You can ignore Chevy Chase being in it. But also, it's kind of state-of-the-art, like, CGI. Like, the way that they were presenting it, like him chewing gum when you're invisible and food digesting <laughs> when you're invisible and stuff. You know what probably does not help, you know, is... is what you were saying about how that one was overlooked when the same era of like 90s adult kind of universal it's because hollow man came out like a few years later and i feel like hollow man kind of takes over the invisible man space totally yeah i kind of forgot and the cgi and that is also outstanding also very state-of-the-art at the time yeah yeah so yeah um I figured worth a mention for those of you who weren't familiar that it even existed. And it was on Tubi. I don't know if it's on there anymore. I think I caught it right before it jumped off Tubi. But yeah. it might be around. And then decided I'd scroll around Screenbox, see what was available. And I landed on 1991's Dead Space. Dun, dun, dun. A deadly virus attacks the crew of a Saturn space station. That's that's the synopsis IMDb gave it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to step back a little bit more, it's kind of like, uh, the writers saw alien and they're like, I want to do that. And they kind of tried to do alien and they didn't really have the budget for alien, but you know who they did (laughs) have Brian Cranston. Oh, I love discovering these movies where the, before you knew them, they were in a horror movie. Like, I love it so much. But yeah, this one. It's fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It, okay. It's it's cheesy. Like when you actually do start doing like the alien effects and puppetry and things like that. It's it's kind of silly. Mark Singer's in it too, so it's a little Beastmaster-ish, I suppose, in that way. He's basically, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> he's more Han Solo than Beastmaster, but you know, um, it's it's fine. It's more that I want to talk about it. I. I'm curious with you two with this too. You ever go back in a movie and you see an actor that you recognize who's still around now and mm-hmm. you look at their performance and say, that's a really good performance. Are you doing it because it's a good performance or because you know that they are a good actor now? And I can't quite separate the two things. 
See, I don't know because I, I immediately think of something like Cutting Class. Was it Cutting Class? The one mm-hmm. that um, with Jill Shalin and Brad Pitt. And yeah. you see Brad Pitt and you're like, no, he's not good <laughs> in that. The he was super cheesy like in his Tales from the Crypt episode, too. Like, he wasn't yeah. good. Well, so yeah. I don't think that they automatically get a pass because, That's you true. know, you're like, you're you're an A-lister now. Yeah. Not always. Not always. I like Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. I thought that she did a good movie, uh, did a good movie, did a good job. But the thing is, the movie is just cheesy. But she committed to the role. Yeah. She definitely is like, oh, I can see how you went from this to like friends Mm -hmm. a few years later or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or Johnny Depp going from Nightmare on Elm Street to 21 Jump Street. Like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, I get that jump. Like, yeah, that's not a. But a, he doesn't a, seem like a lister right off the bat. There, he no, does seem like a young actor who's just doing kind of what the role asks of him. Yeah, yeah, he did so, fine. It, it wasn't yeah. anything crazy one way or another. I was also curious too about giving passes to cheesy '90s movies more than I give passes to movies now that are cheesy. Because I've watched a few recently that are new releases, fairly within like the last year that I watch. I'm like, this is. This could have used another pass. I mean, but if I saw the trying. same type of movie in 1980, I'd be like, oh, it's cheesy fun. Like, I don't know what why that happens. I guess it could be a few things, though, right? Because, one, it's so far removed from a different era that there's really not the pressure to think about it critically in a contemporary lens. You're mm. just like, yeah, like the, the pressure's off. We can just enjoy it for what it is. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there is also the, that is a nostalgia button that factors into it. You know, yeah. something from the 90s, like you have memories of that era versus something now. Like, are you trying to be, um, what is the word? Like kind of a time capsule? Are you trying to sure. capture that? Or are you just trying to get away with some type of like sensibilities and aesthetics from 30 years ago that like aren't really considered in the same light today i don't know and and i wonder if maybe i'm giving it too much credit because the process was probably harder to make a movie back then like the barrier to entry is a lot lower now yeah there's also quantity there was a lot fewer then and then there's also the thing about digital i mean i don't know how you guys feel about it but i feel like film just inherently looks better as a Mm. baseline versus like digital film Mm-hmm. And so you have a harder hurdle to clear to make something pop versus just automatically capturing like filming on actual film versus digital. I, I definitely think about that a lot now when I see new movies and just the quality of, of what I'm watching. Yeah. It changes my viewing experience so much if you're filming on like, what are they like red cameras or whatever versus, you know, something that costs half as much. Yeah, like it's there's something about the film quality that it will change the experience that I'm watching it too, and I agree. I also love film. You yeah, know, um, it didn't make me love Ennis Men more, but I do love. There is something about that. There's some warmness. Maybe it's just age. It's I don't instantly eye popping. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder too with some of these newer films, um, you know, that'll pop up on Tubi. Uh, I think that with some of them, I wonder if that's like their goal. You know what I mean? Like they're they're trying to like capture the essence of the 80s, which is yeah. hard mm-hmm. to do, you know? It's very hard, yeah. 
I, I don't know. I just always kind of felt that way. There's one that I watched. I do not even remember the name. It was like a anthology, different stories and stuff like that. They, they were really trying to like bring it back because they had like those, you know, the typical characters that you would see in the 80s, yeah. like the jock and, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm just wondering if if that could also be a factor on top of the other things. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's all of it. All of and, the above. Yeah. And sometimes it's calling card, right? You want to prove that you can make a movie to show right. that you could make another and maybe yeah. it's just about getting it out there and as opposed to you also feel bad about those people, film students or whatever that work on the same film for 20 years and it's still not ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, that might be a sign. You Making know, movies are hard. Yeah. Are. Yeah. I'm no one to criticize for sure. More curious than anything. All right. Before we move on, what did we watch and how did we watch it? I checked out The Passenger on Prime Video and Tale of Tales on Tubi. I watched a Delamort Delamore on uh, 4K from Severn Films and Planet Terror on Paramount+. And I watched Memoirs of an Invisible Man on Tubi and 1991's Dead Space on Screenbox. Not to be confused with the video game. <laughs> All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Uh, this one has been kind of talked about for years because both creators, the writer and director, have expressed a lot of interest, um, but it seems like it's finally happening. So Danny Boyle and Alex Garland, uh, the director and writer behind 2002's hit horror film, 28 Days Later, are reteaming for the long-awaited sequel 28 Years Later. Yeah! (laughs) What's more is that this could potentially be the start of a new trilogy. So um, 28 Days Later received a follow-up in 2007 with 28 Weeks Later, which was executive produced by Boyle and Garland, but it was directed by Juan Carlos Fresno-Dio. Um, So now the pair hope to launch a new trilogy with 28 Years Later. So the plan is for Garland to write all three entries, and Boyle will helm the first installment. Uh, it's not clear as of yet if they're picking up from 28 Days Later or 28 Weeks Later. Um, 28 Days Later starred Killian Murphy as a man who wakes up from a coma after a bicycle accident to find England now a desolate post-apocalyptic collapse thanks to a virus that turned its victims into raging killers. So, yeah, like I said, Garland and Boyle, um, both very busy. Like, I think, what is the name of the movie that Garland has coming out? It's like election year or something. Oh, Civil War? There you go. Yeah. So Garland's been busy between like, you know, he's done Annihilation, Men a year or two ago, uh, Civil War's coming out. But yeah, they're both, both have long expressed the desire to continue um, what they started. So yeah, they're taking that around and shopping it to streamers and various outlets. So I guess we'll find out where that ends up and whether it will be a trilogy or if it'll just be 28 years later. I don't know. Where do you go after years? Decades? (laughs) Centuries? I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know if 29 anybody... 29 years later. 29 years <laughs> later. Yeah. Dig. Um, yeah. And then this one, I I have I have feelings. I have all the feelings about it. Okay. So, a brand new take on The Blob is taking shape at Warner Brothers Discovery. And David Bruckner is on board to write and direct the reimagining of the classic awesome. horror story. Uh, yeah. Um, plot details about the reimagining are being kept under wraps. The original 1958, The Blob, tells the story of an amorphous alien life, life form that descends upon a rural Pennsylvania town and consuming anyone it comes in contact with, with the alien expanding mass of red gelatinous material grows as it eats strong enough to pull human victims into itself from all directions. All directions. Um, Yeah. So The Blob was first introduced with the Steve McQueen starring horror classic in 1958. Chuck Russell 
remade my baby. It's my baby. I've decided. <laughs> um, the 1988, The Blob. I love that movie so much. And, you know, the original movie got a sequel in 1972, Beware the Blob. I'm going down this list because it's had three kind of actual movies and then decades of remake plans mm-hmm. over the years. I mean, I remember in like 2009, uh, Rob Zombie was attached to a remake. Samuel Jackson at some point was on board to star in the remake. So one way or the other, they were determined to get this off the ground. So I guess if uh, if it's going to be in anybody's hands, it should be the director of The Night House and Hellraiser and The Ritual. For sure. Um, but my, my biggest feeling here is please go practical. I think that's why, oh, you know, like every single version, well, really the 58 classic and the 88 classic, like they hold up because of the practical effects. So please no CG. That's really my strongest feeling. Don't, don't do CG. And don't don't pull a thing remake or a thing prequel where you film practical and then CG over it. Please. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And then uh, the movie that we talked about up at the top of the episode, uh, formerly an untitled monster thriller from Radio Silence and Universal has officially gotten a title um, and a trailer called Abigail. Um, the tagline for the movie is children can be such monsters. So cute. <laughs> so cute. Love it. Um, yeah, I know. The uh, movie Abigail, it's scheduled to release in theaters on April 19th. Um, in the film, it's after a group of would-be criminals kidnap a 12-year-old ballerina daughter of a powerful underworld figure. All they have to do is collect 50 million ransom, which is uh, all they have to do to get it is watch the girl overnight in an isolated mansion. Um, but then they start to dwindle one by one as they discover, to their mounting horror, that they're locked in with no normal little girl. If you have watched the trailer, it has some really funny one-liners telling you what the deal is. Uh, yeah. I won't I won't go into it if you prefer to go in blind. But um, it is from Radio Silence, the directing team of Matt Bettinelli-Ulpin and Tyler Gillette, um, who is behind Ready or Not, 2022 Scream, and last year's Scream 6. And... Um, it was written by Stephen Shields, who is behind The Hole in the Ground, which is also very good, and Guy Busick, Ready or Not, or Scream. Um, and it stars Melissa Barrera and Dan Stevens, Catherine Newton, William Catlett, Kevin Durand, Angus Cloud, and Alicia Weir, who was, uh, I don't know if you saw um, the Netflix musical Matilda. She was mm-hmm. Matilda. So she's going to be Abigail. Wow. So yeah, the trailer is so good, and I'm like, oh my god, put it in my eye hole stat. It was a lot more fun than I expected. But yes, but huge, spo- well, I don't even call them spoilers, I suppose. But the conceit is given away in the trailer. So if you want to go in blind, I feel like it'd be a pretty fun, like, fun reveal to not mm-hmm. watch the trailer first. I did not. Yeah. And I will don't. not. I think yeah, you'll have a I, went, I think down. I went to go see, um, well, never mind. That's going down a rabbit hole. Point is, it's fine. <laughs> I can't wait to see it as well. Nice. Yeah. All right, listeners, your turn. Are you ready for 28 years, 28 weeks, and 28 days later? (laughs) What monster does your child most resemble? You can call or text us at 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes, or feel free to email us at bediscussingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zena is going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options. Include us in what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? So, all of these movies, uh, this 
these first set of six, they come out Tuesday the 16th, which by the time this episode comes out, it'll be available. So Horror in the High Desert 2, Minerva, it'll be available on Screenbox. So the unsettling found footage franchise delves into mysterious disappearance in the Nevada wilderness and then aberrance. This one will be available on VOD and DVD. And a strange couple takes a retreat in the woods. Neighbors, friends, and dark unseen forces lead to a shocking conclusion. Then we have Punch. A young girl celebrating her last night out in her hometown is stalked by a mysterious killer in Mister in a Mr. Punch mask. I mean, this one looks really fun. This one's going to be available on VOD. Then we have Project Dorothy. This will be available on VOD as well. After a botched robbery, two men take um, refugee in a remote and lifeless scientific facility. And then they awaken a monster within. Then we also have Spring Lakes uh, when Marcus... Down and out, struggling filmmaker goes on a search for his missing sister in Spring Lakes. He encounters something strange and mysterious from a satanic satanic cult. Then we have Last Night at Terrace Lanes when blood when a bloodthirsty cult invades a bowling alley. Oh, this one looks really fun. <laughs> it does. I actually did watch. I watched the trailer for for this one. But yeah, there's a lot of cult stuff that's coming out. When a bloodthirsty cult invades a bowling alley on its final night of oper- of its operation, a high schooler on a date from hell joins forces with her dad to fend off the crazed murderers. Yeah. Then on Friday the 19th, we have three movies. So Founder's Day will be available in limited theaters. So a small town is shaken up by a series of killings and the late in the leading dates leading days up to a heated um, election. Then we have ISS. ISS, this will also be in theaters. Tensions flare in the near future abroad the International Space Station when a worldwide conflict breaks out on Earth. Soon the US and Russian astronauts each receive orders from the ground. Take controls, they take control of a station by any means necessary. Then we have Sunrise. This one kinda at first, if you I did watch the trailer for this one because I was a little bit curious. It seems like it's more of an action, but um it's it's not. So when a former <laughs> cop <laughs> returns uh, to a horrific crime scene, the residents of a country town discover the dark visitor is really a vampire who feeds on blood and fear. So there's that one. And then just in case if you missed it, um, Underground is available on Screenbox. This one features a wild bachelorette party and young women find themselves trapped in an underground bunker. Then Destroy All Neighbors. Um, if you This one's available on Shudder if you love bloody fun type of horror comedies this one's available Mm -hmm. and also tim tim this one i think just came out uh, was it thursday or friday but yeah it's available and also feel free to subscribe to Screenbox. there you go i like the sing song i feel like they should have you do commercials um for horror in the high desert minerva you had it so yeah it it just sounds like spicy you gotta add that in there you know minerva i can't do it like you do Minerva. minerva There you go. And, yes. <laughs> and it's a and it's a good one. I recommend High Desert too. That was fun. It did it felt unrelated to the first one, but it's good. Hmm. You have to sing song it though. Yeah, Minerva. you have to sing song. See, that's what I was missing. I didn't sing yeah. song it. It would totally would have tied it all together like a rug. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on our own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com, and don't forget to check out all things Bloody Disgusting on TikTok at BeDisgusting. So, for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. 
I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something fun.